0: This covers the conversion of Cornelius in the 10th and 11th chapters of the book of Acts. This, these are lessons that we are studying in the adult class on Sunday morning. I make no apologies for repetition because I believe it's, it's essential that we study these things, and everyone has not been able to have these lessons. And I know the adult class will appreciate the emphasis that we put on this uh, in order to emphasize to people who are not Christians the importance of their, their becoming a Christian, because this is all of our responsibility And I think we need to emphasize more, what must I do to be saved because of the ones who are becoming, at the age when they're responsible, and people who are studying to know what to do to become a Christian, and at the same time, people who are not members of the church, to understand more definitely and specifically what God requires of us, and I know that this is a lot of material, but I ask you, I'm just going to highlight these lessons, and I want you to keep take them home with you and to study them and to share this knowledge with people who are not saved, because this is a very uh, a clear way. I wish I had had this lesson when I was even a freshman in college, and even before. Uh, I heard the sermon, but I've never, I didn't have it explained like this. And I wish I had had it to share with people when I got out into the field teaching them. I had the scriptures, but I didn't have a lot of observations that are made in these lessons. Because this comes from experience. I would like for you, because this is dealing with the Gentiles, and we that are here are Gentiles, I want to emphasize to you that this is a message of salvation and what a person is supposed to do as a Gentile is to be saved. And we have a need for that. Uh, in the fourth chapter of the book of Luke, I, I want you to read, I want you to read with me that because it's the first time that we have a message from Christ. Uh, this was his first public sermon that we have a record of. And, and he is dealing with the Gentiles, the preaching to the Gentiles. And uh, maybe you've never observed it that way, but he is, he is here gun ho because the Jews were not receptive to him the people in Nazareth, his own hometown, he lets them know right off that that he has come, and it's a fulfillment of Scripture in Isaiah, that he's come to preach the gospel and to give people release and deliverance, and that he had been doing that when the when the Jews refused to have faith. He even delivered them in other times. Look at Luke the fourth chapter. And beginning with the 16th verse. And this just sets the stage that Jesus, in his first sermon, he really presented God's love for people that were Gentiles. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Don't you know that the time he had been there and growing up, that he knew? the prejudices of those people. And he was trying to make it appropriate, but they tried to kill him after he did it. It ought to let us see ourselves when we don't respond to Jesus' teaching. And there was delivered unto him the book of, of prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. He'd started his ministry. And all bare him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Can't you just know that our Lord, inspired, did everything perfectly? And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whether whatsoever, whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, and he had preached up to Capernaum and healed some people before they he came there. But this is his first sermon in a public place this way that's recorded do also hear in thy country he's saying you're probably thinking that why don't you heal some of us why don't you do some of those great things we've heard and he said verily i say unto you no prophet is accepted in his own country but i tell you the truth and then he's talking about the gentiles now Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias. That's Elijah. It's not translated, if it were, it'd be Elijah. That's the first prophet before Elijah. When the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Zeropta. That's a Gentile. City, a city of Sidon unto a woman that was a widow and many lepers were in Israel now many widows were in Israel but none of them God helped at that time and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha that's the one that followed him the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Assyrian. He's a Gentile. All the blood began to boil in those Jews, and all they in the synagogue which heard these things were filled with wrath. Those are fighting words, Jesus. They talk about Gentiles being saved and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him into the brow of a hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. Now please turn to your lesson and turn to Acts, the 10th and the 11th chapter. Because this is a Gentile the first Gentile convert and his name is Cornelius and we want to see what he did to be saved. And if you're here this morning and you're at the age of of being knowledgeable of what to do, I want to tell you that if you haven't done what the Spirit said to the Gentiles ought to do, you're lost. You're lost and you're not ready for Jesus. And and I don't know what will touch your heart except to understand that Jesus reached out. In the first sermon, he preached at Nazareth and told about God's grace even being extended to Gentiles in the Old Covenant. When his own, own people didn't even believe in him, he helped them. And then when he told them about it, that their faith was so small and that the Gentiles believed in him, they got mad at him. But here is the thing that he tells Gentiles to do to be saved. Now, the reason we need this is I don't know if you've read in papers in the religious papers that we have, and then in the in the daily paper you read about promise keepers. I know you've read about those promise keepers. It's a group of people, and it's a, a, a it, it is a movement that that brings fathers into the children and, and mothers and gets together, and they pray, and they do things, and they bring it together together. Even members of the Lord's Church is, is going off and saying, well, they're great and all of this, and, and they wonder why they thinking about it. You know the reason why the Lord's Church, the members of the Lord's Church, is so in lack of understanding because oh, we don't study lessons like this. But did you know those promise keepers, as good as they do, as wonderful work as they're doing in bringing fathers and and, and children together and doing great works, that doesn't save them. And when they, in their little promise keeper's book, uh, they have that you do this and this and this and this, and this is accept the Lord Jesus as Lord, and you repent of your sins, uh, and you confess him, and you're saved. And they stop there. Now, we need to understand whether they're telling the truth or not. Now, all of their doing that's good is is great. This man was great too, but that didn't save him. And we need to know that, and we need to share it with people. I want you to look at your first lesson, and I want you to look at this this review. There's three columns, and and I want you to have 12 and 1. 12 and 1. He was a Roman soldier. I want you to read about that. Down at the bottom of that first column, it says, who was Cornelius? He was from Caesarea. He was a centurion. He's over 700 people in the Italian army. He was an Italian. He, he wasn't a Jew. He was an Italian. He was a, of another race. He was a long-term resident because he was in the army and he was being paid by the government. Now, the spiritual condition of this man, I want you to look. He was, in that second column, he was devout. He feared God. He had his household feared God. He brought his children upright. Thank God. And he was a generous giver. What a wonderful trait. We don't want anybody to ever fail to do these things. But he wasn't saved. He was persistent in prayer, and he enjoyed a good reputation even among the Jews that hated Gentiles. Over on the third column, he was humble, and he was obedient. But I want you to notice that last one there, at 11, 13, and 14. Peter is dealing in the second paper that we have here. In the 14th verse, he said, now, I want you to do this. He told Cornelius, said, you send and get a preacher. And this preacher is going to tell you words word whereby you must be saved. But he had an heavenly being that had already appeared to him. He was a great man. He'd done everything uh, here that we'd expect him that a person ought to do. Now turn on your second page. There was an angel that had something to do with this and gave him directions. And while the angel gave him directions of what to do and where to go and get in touch with the preacher, then there was a a miracle that happened over here three times on the preacher. What is God doing? He's sending an angel uh, to a man that's unsaved and gives him a message and, and gives him directions to go to a preacher. That's just God's way. And then the Peter's vision, he he sees it three times, and God has to, has to let that down. You know the reason why? We're just that prejudice. We're just that prejudice. We've gone through the prejudice of uh, ethnic uh, evaluation, and we know how that man deals with that. And God, once and for all, showed him a miracle three times to help him to understand that God is no respecter of person, but in every nation, he that fears God and works righteousness is accepted with him. Now, turn over on the, the third page of that lesson. But there was that's not all. The Spirit had to work on the preacher. The Spirit had to work on the preacher. And... Uh, the Spirit told Peter that he had people out there waiting on him, see? And that this thing, look at the second column. When Peter entered Cornelius' house, when these people came down and got him, the first thing he wanted to do, the Spirit had been working on Peter, the angel had worked on Cornelius. And uh, we have here that he still, the the gospel preacher, has to have a part in all of this. And they're brought together now. And the first thing that he wanted to do was fall down and worship old Peter. And that's the way the denominational people do today. They call the the preacher reverend, and God is the only one that's supposed to be called reverend. Reverend and holy is his name just one time in the Old Testament. Paul was never called reverend. He wouldn't allow him to worship him. He said, get up. I myself am a man. And uh, he said, God has showed me something, that there's not any difference between you and me, and that in every nation, he that fears God and works righteousness is accepted with him. You know what that man did? He brought all of his family with him. And look at that third column over there in the uh, 12 and 3. They acknowledge their their accountability. We've come to listen. I hope you've come to listen this morning, and I hope you'll read this lesson over and over and over. Our interest is in God's commands, not you, Peter. We don't want to know what God wants us to do. What a wonderful idea. And I'll tell you, if you're reluctant about confessing your Christ your Christ before men and being baptized for the remission of sins in his body and his blood, you just get man because of man. You just get that out of your system, and you just say, I just want to please God in Christ. And what does he command me? Our interest is in all of God's instructions, not just part of it, like the promise keepers, uh, promise keepers, and the influence they have. There's nothing wrong with them, the good things that they're doing. But when they sacrifice and won't teach a person what's being taught in this scripture, we need to challenge that and say, "Come on, let's do it all. Get in. Let's get all of God's commandments. We want God's word now." Now look on the back side of that first lesson. He's no respecter of persons. God accepts anyone in any nation, not by popularity, not by court rulings, not what friends think. Give every person the golden rule treatment, imitate the Lord's prejudice-free example, see others through the eyes of God, and the ground is level at the cross. And I'll tell you, you handle race with grace, when you listen to God. And uh, look at the bottom of the page in 10 36 through 43. Peter's sermon, God has a message for the Gentiles. God has a messenger for the Gentiles. He has the apostle. He has one today. It's a gospel preacher. And he has to preach it just like it was preached on the day of Pentecost. God's messenger to give the Gentiles uh, has has witnesses. He has The apostle here is what the apostle could speak about with confidence. And here's what his sermon included. Christ was slain. Christ was raised. Christ commanded preaching. And the prophets even verify that. The prophets verify that. Now, you can't improve upon that, and that was his sermon. Now, take your uh, lesson 13. Take your lesson 13. They had a Pentecost, just like the Jews had a Pentecost. And you'll see on the first page of 13 and 1 that the Spirit they received was not, when he was speaking to them, you know they had the Holy Spirit poured out upon them. The Spirit they received was not a result of repenting and being baptized, as it was true of the 3,000 on Pentecost. Well, Peter had nothing to do with it. Six brethren came along with him. He had nothing to do with it. And these six brethren saw that. The Holy Spirit came and they magnified God. They praised God and they spoke in tongues. Look at number uh, the second dot there. The Spirit they received was not imparted by the laying on of the hands of the apostles, as was when in the case of Samaritans, where Peter and John went down there. They had, they had to criticize old Peter. They said, Peter, you don't need to give this to the Gentiles. That's just for the Jews. The Spirit they received was a baptismal measure in the same way the apostles were baptized in the Spirit on Pentecost. Acts 2 and 4. They spoke in tongues. The prophet had forecast this in Joel 2 and was quoted in Acts 2. Now look at the bottom of the page. He asked a question. Can any man forbid water? That these should not be baptized. It's not that not is left out there. Shall not be baptized. Those six brethren didn't give any reason why they shouldn't. He issued a command and the command was in the name of jesus but when you turn back and flip back to act 238 in the name of jesus is for the remission of sins and if it's for the remission of sins the same thing the gentile does the same thing that jews does for the remission of sins
1: and that's the
0: reason why that all of these little cracks that people hand you out and say you want to receive christ I said yeah just receive him in your heart at as a personal Savior. And just confess your sins and He'll save you. That's not what He said here. He said there's something else that needs to be done. Why is it? Because the blood was shed in His death and the death is portrayed in baptism. And that's the reason the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, the sixth chapter, about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ being portrayed so beautifully by baptism. That's the reason the Apostle Paul said there's just one baptism in Acts, in, in Ephesians 4. That's the reason he put it in the list of seven, where he listed the Spirit as one. And baptism. Now, if baptism is the same as the Spirit, then you have a duplication there. That's the reason why the Apostle Peter said, Who can forbid water? That the or Apostle Peter uh, said in his writing, He said, Baptism doth also now save us. It's saved, but it was the blood of Christ that saved. And he and Paul uh, talks about the blood of Christ. But the blood where our faith comes into existence is if we believe that Jesus washes us from our sins in his blood, but the blood has to be miraculous and has to be done when we show our faith that he died and was buried and raised. If you didn't do that when you were baptized, your baptism is void in form. It is just a fake. You didn't have faith in Christ. You went through it as a form. It was just a tradition. But when you understand that you went into the blood, into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and it was there that the blood of Christ became miraculously the cleaning, cleansing, and the healing power, that which delivered you from your sins, then you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, and that's the reason why you said, Yes, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's exactly what he did here. He commanded them. And I want you to look down here. Cornelius was told that he would be saved by hearing words. I want you to look at that, that first page on 13 and 1. 11 and 14 said, Cornelius, you'll hear words whereby you'll be saved. And when those people came from Cornelius, it just timed just right after those three miracles were were performed, letting down the sheep. Timed just right. He knew exactly, and he said, "Say, you got to go to Cornelius." It made sense to him. And when he got there, he said, "God has showed me that nothing, no man is common or unclean, but that we all must respond to the truth." Cornelius was told it was words. They were waiting for these words. He said, we want words from God. We want his command. We're here to hear what God wants us to do. Let me tell you, if you're here and you can believe the great gospel of Jesus Christ spoken by the Lord when he ascended, he he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Isn't that easy? Two plus two equals four. We can understand that. But when he says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, why do we want to deny it? He simplified it. He gave us an equation that we can't deny. And yet it's the same as the one on Pentecost. It's the same as the one here. He said, who can forbid water that these should be baptized? Now, if you're listening to Jesus, and not me, Jesus is saying, this is what I said when I went to Nazareth. I was going to preach deliverance to the captive. And he is. Look at number two on your paper there. Peter did speak words to Cornelius, whereby thou shalt be saved, and commanded, Acts 10, 48, said, well, who can forbid water that these should be baptized? What for? Well, he commanded them in the name of Jesus. Why would you do that on the Pentecost? What was in the name of Jesus for, Peter? For the remission of sins. How do you know? Because I was speaking by the Spirit. Why didn't you say it again? Well, he just... When Luke wrote it, he just wrote in the name of Jesus. And you can look back in Acts 2, and Luke cleared it up there. It's for the remission of sins. Same as the Great Commission. He that believeth is baptized for the sake. Same as Paul said when he said, when the preacher came in and I said, Why do you tarry? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. That's another time. It's, yeah. By one spirit are all baptized into one body. But what did they do when they were baptized on the day of Pentecost? They were added to the body. It was the direction of the Spirit that they did it. The baptism of the Spirit was not given, look at number four, While not given to Cornelius and his house. It was given to demonstrate, or was not given to, to save them. It was not given to save them because they were saved after that. It was given to demonstrate that Peter had the right to command water baptism of the Gentiles so they could be saved. The Jews wouldn't have allowed it. But boy, with all of this, God cleared it out. No surprise here. This is exactly what Peter commanded the Jews on the Pentecost. Same thing. Peter understood that the purpose of the Gentile baptism in the Spirit was to show that God was ready to save them. That's why he asked the six brethren, Caesarea, if they could go with him. And in the rest of that chapter, they clear it up. He went over it again and repeated it. He said, what happened? He said, I brought these six brethren with me. And this is what happened. They heard what I heard. They, they saw what I saw. And it was God who did this. Now, the question is, where do you stand? This should be sufficient if you're, if you're outside of the body of Christ. If, if you want to be a Christian, don't be misled by good people like the promise keepers and the denominational people who say, well, you don't have to do anything, just, believe, just receive him into your heart. Well, we receive him in the heart. And so many passages that said receive him in your heart is the person who's been baptized into him and has fallen away. You can fall away. You can quit believing. And he said, lest there be in any one of you a heart of unbelief and falling away from the living God in Hebrews 13. You can. And so there are many passages that do tell us to come back and let the Lord Jesus live in our heart. That's the person who has been in Christ and has fallen away but the one to the person who has not been born again of the water and the spirit. And I hope that if you're not a member of the body of Christ that your conscience is responding to Jesus. Because Jesus is one and not not me. I'm just his servant. And I hope you'll let him into your heart. I hope you'll, you'll put him on. And I hope you'll share This message, this is the good news, with others. I hope you'll take these lessons and digest them and read them over and over. This is just explained in such a way that it can't be erroneous. It's just there. It's plain. It's clear. And I trust that you're ready to put Christ on and let him perform the great miracle of all miracles, He's making you a new creature. You're washed in his blood. Things are ready if you're ready. Come as we stand together and say.